0: My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to welcome you to Peace by Believing, That's the name of our radio ministry and we have called it that based on a scripture verse in the book of romans chapter 15 and verse 13 where the bible says this now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing and so the bible says to us that there is a way to live your life with joy and there is a way to have peace in your heart And that is through believing in Jesus Christ, through trusting in Him. And so on today's program, we're going to be thinking more specifically about how we can trust Jesus. What is it about Jesus that we trust? Why is it that we can hang our hopes of heaven on Jesus Christ? And the answer to that question is because of the blood that he shed for us on the cross so many years ago. And so I don't know how much time you've ever spent in your life thinking about the blood of Jesus, but that's what we're going to be thinking about today, how precious that blood is, how special that blood is, and how it is through his blood that we can have peace with God. And I'm praying that today's program will be a blessing to you. If you'll open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 1, I want to talk to you tonight about that blood, which is the most dominant theme in all of the Bible, the blood of Jesus. One pastor said that the blood of Jesus runs like a scarlet thread through the Bible. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, we find the blood of Jesus. Another pastor said metaphorically speaking that if you were to take a pair of scissors and cut the pages of scripture that they would bleed. And so the dominant theme of the Bible from beginning to end is the blood of Jesus Christ. Now in 1 Peter chapter number 1, I want us to look at two of the greatest verses in the Bible about the blood beginning in verse number 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, watch this, but with the precious blood of Christ, say that with me, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so here we read that the blood of Jesus Christ is precious and it is His blood that forgives our sins and that saves us. Now, it's interesting. As you read in the Old Testament, you get glimpses of the blood of Jesus. We find shadows. We find hints. We read stories in the Old Testament that God put in there just to point us into the future and to point us towards the blood of Jesus. Now, as I think about all the Old Testament passages that prophesied about the death of Jesus Christ and the blood that he would shed, I don't think any passage is as clear as the one we read in Exodus chapter number 12. Let's just read these first few verses so you can hear it from the Bible and not just me paraphrasing it. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if a household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. See, if that doesn't sound like Jesus. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight when the sun goes down. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Now look down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night... And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. Now watch this. And when I see the blood. Say that with me. And when I see the blood. That's what God was looking for. Here's what he said. I will pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so God said, Moses, when I pass through about midnight, I'm looking for the blood. And when I see the blood, that's when I will pass over that house. If I don't see the blood, the firstborn of that house, both of man and of beast, will be killed. And so Moses communicated this to the Jewish people. And what did they do? They did exactly what God told them to do. They took that lamb. They sacrificed that lamb. They got their brush, like we would look in, in your mind, like someone of a, of a paintbrush or maybe even a piece of a shrub tree. And they took that blood. They put it on the doorpost. They put it on the lentil. And then they went in the house. And at midnight, God passed over Egypt And God, I mean, there were no telling how many thousands of babies who were killed in the land of Egypt. But when God saw the blood, he passed over those houses so that the Jewish people were safe. And the next morning, even during the night, the Egyptians came to the Jews and said, "'Please, get out. The first nine plagues were bad. The tenth one is more than we can bear.'" For the sake of our own lives, please leave the land. They were giving the Jewish people all their jewelry and all their belongings. And so the Jewish people left the land even better than they came in. Now, with that familiar story as our background tonight, as we think about the blood of Jesus and how Peter said it is the precious blood of Jesus... And we think about the fact that His blood is our only hope for forgiveness. It is the only thing that can wash our sins away. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Say that with me. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. I want to make two statements tonight that I think are so obvious and I think they are yet so very important. Number one statement is this. The blood of Jesus is the basis of our salvation. The blood of Jesus is the basis of our salvation. What was true of those Jewish people living in Egypt is true for us today. They were under the blood and they were safe. If we are under the blood, then we too are safe. We don't get saved by being good We don't get saved by doing good things. We don't get saved by joining a church. We don't get saved by being baptized. We don't get saved by living a holy life. We get saved by receiving Jesus Christ and making sure that our hearts and our lives have been washed with His blood so that we are under the blood. Now, one of my favorite pastors who ever lived, W.A. Criswell, longtime pastor of First Baptist in Dallas... In one of his books was writing about this experience we just read about tonight. The Jews in Egypt, and they're under the blood. And he used his sanctified imagination to paint a word picture for us that I think is absolutely wonderful. He said this, one can easily imagine a man seated in the house under the blood and thinking, oh God, I wonder If my repentance were repentant enough, I wonder if my faith were faith enough. I wonder if my life is good enough. I wonder if my service is acceptable enough. I wonder if I will make it. So many people live in that agony of distress all of their days. If someone asked them if they are saved, they would say, I don't know. Maybe I didn't repent right. Maybe I didn't believe right. Maybe I didn't confess right. Maybe I have not lived right. Oh, what a wretched way to live, Dr. Criswell said. God says salvation comes not by your righteousness, not by your repentance, not by your faith, not by your goodness, not by anything in you. God says, and it gets back to that 13th verse of Exodus chapter 12, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood of Jesus washes our sin away. And then he turns that observation or that sanctified imagination story there into a prayer. And he said, Lord, I could never be good enough. I could never repent enough. I could never have the depth of faith that I ought to have. Lord, Lord, if I'm ever saved, it is by the grace and mercy of God in Christ Jesus. What I must do is to rest in the promise And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin, so we rest under the blood. And so the first thing I'm saying tonight is the blood of Jesus, not your repentance. Yes, we repent of our sins, but your repentance is not the basis of your salvation. Neither is your faith, neither is your confession, neither is your life, neither is your holiness. Nothing in you. The basis of our salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. Now, if that's the first point, let's flip the coin and think about the second one. Number one, the blood of Jesus is the basis of our salvation. Number two, for that reason, the blood of Jesus must be the object of our faith. If the blood of Jesus is the basis by which God forgives human beings of their sins, then in order for our sins to be forgiven, our faith must be in the blood of Jesus, not in us, not in anything that we might do. You say, well, John, do you think anybody's really confused about that? Yes, I think there are a lot of people who are confused about that. Maybe you're familiar with the Puritans. They're the ones who wrote over... From England on the Mayflower. We call them now the Pilgrims, but many of them were Puritans. Who were the Puritans? The Puritans were a group of dedicated people who loved God with all their hearts. And they, in the 16th and 17th century, rose up within the Church of England and they said, This church is making way too big of a deal out of rituals and ordinances. And it's too liturgical. It's too ritualistic. And in the Puritans' mind, they were saying, you're not different enough from the Catholic church of that day. And that's kind of how the Church of England came to try to break off from some of that. But the Puritans said, you haven't purified yourself enough. That's why they're called the Puritans, because their whole deal was on purity and on having a right relationship with God and living right. So the Puritans broke off from the Church of England, and many of them ended up coming to America. And yet, as you study and read about those Puritans who were devout, who were serious about God, did you know that many of those Puritans, I could say most of those Puritans, and probably be accurate, but to be conservative, I'm going to say many of those Puritans, when they died, did not have the full assurance of their salvation. History tells us that men like Thomas Hooker, who was the founder of Connecticut, and another man named William Perkins, who was the most influential of all the Puritan people. In fact, something I read recently said that when William Perkins died, he died with anguish of soul because he didn't know whether or not he was saved. So many, if not most, of the Puritans stepped out into eternity not knowing whether or not they were saved. Why? Because the Puritans stressed purity so much that they believed the only way a person could truly know that he or she was saved is if that person was living a pure life, a holy life. And they said, if you're not living a pure life, a holy life, a godly life, then you can't claim to be saved. You can't claim to be a Christian. But the fallacy of that thinking is, how holy of a life would you have to live to be able to say, I know that I'm saved. I mean, how holy is holy enough? How pure is pure enough? How godly is godly enough? And the mistake that those Puritans made was, they stressed godliness more than they stressed God. And so, their faith, many of them, even though they loved God and they, their whole lives revolved around God, as we look at their faith and the, the, the flaw in their faith and the problem that it caused them, certainly as they stepped out into eternity, we see that their faith was not in the blood of Jesus, their faith was in themselves. And if your faith is in you in any way, you will never have the assurance of your salvation because how could you ever know that you're good enough? And the short answer to that question is you could never be good enough. And so the only thing that our faith can be in is in the blood of Jesus. So the basis of our salvation is the blood of Jesus and the object of our trust must be the blood of Jesus Christ. Dr. Kendall says, R.T. Kendall says that in his travels around the world today, he is shocked by how few people in the churches he goes to and preaches have assurance over their salvation. He says, I'm shocked at how few of the people in the churches in America and in England, how few of them. Are trusting in Jesus. Instead, they are in some way trusting themselves. And so tonight, I'm just asking you, what are you trusting to get you to heaven? What is your faith in? What are you holding on to? You see, if you're holding on to anything in you, you're not going to have peace And when you get ready to die, you're going to step out into eternity with no peace. But think about this. If you are trusting Jesus Christ and you are trusting His blood that He shed on the cross for you, you're going to have peace and you're going to die with peace. And friend, think about this. If trusting Jesus' blood will give us peace in the moments of our death, I mean, if it's good enough to die by, it's good enough to live by. And that's why the hymn writer says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And so the question for us tonight is, do we know for sure that we are under the blood? Have we trusted Him? You say, John, how do I get the blood of Jesus to cover my sins? How can I get my faith in Him? Well, think about what those Jewish people did back in Egypt. First of all, they had to put that blood on the doorpost and across that horizontal little beam of their house, they had to do that personally. They had to do that personally. Each house, or at least in that case, each representative of each house had to do that. And so when it comes to being saved, that is something we have to do. Of the 11 people who came forward in the services this morning... Many of several of those, if not most of those, were for salvations. And what were those people doing? They were coming forward and they were, in their own words and in their own way, they were saying, I want the blood of Jesus to be applied to my heart I want the blood of Jesus over my life so that when God looks at me he won't see all my sins he'll just see the blood of Jesus and so we know first that the blood of Jesus must be applied personally I can't do it for you you can't do it for me you can't do it for your kids you can't do it for your spouse you can't do it for the person you're sitting next to you can't do it for the person that you're praying will be saved and by the way I hope in your prayer list you have a place where you're praying for unsaved people to be saved And you're asking God to convict them and reveal their need of salvation. And asking God to give you an opportunity to share Christ with them. We should all be praying for unsaved people every week. And as we have opportunity to share with them how they can be saved. So that they can personally apply the blood of Jesus to their heart. But something else that's interesting to me about that blood in the Old Testament. And certainly true in the New. The blood must not only be applied personally. The blood must be applied Publicly. Notice when God told Moses and then Moses told those Jewish people to put the blood on the door. He didn't tell them to put it on the inside of the door. He said put it on the outside of the door because when God passes by, that's what God is going to be looking at. The outside of the door. So what he was saying is you put the blood on the door of your house and you don't worry about what your neighbors or anybody else might think. And so that's why we give an invitation, is so that people can apply the blood of Jesus. Many people who come forward in an invitation, they've already applied the blood personally. They've been saved in private. But in the public invitation, what are they doing? They're coming forward, and they're saying in a public setting, the blood of Jesus Christ is over the door of my heart, and I want to let that be known to everybody. Some may be listening to that tonight, and you think, well, you know I need to do that. That makes sense. It's right out of the Bible, what you've shown us. And I'm going to go home, and I'm going to think about that. And maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe before the summer's over, maybe I'll get that taken care of. But remember what God said to Moses. He said, Moses, at twilight, that's about this time of day, that's when you sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on the door. Because about midnight, I'm going to be passing through. Think about this. Had those Jewish people said, okay, Moses, we understand your plan. That's a good plan. We understand that. What we're going to do is wait till the weekend and come Friday night, that's when we're going to do that. Well, they would have died. And so God was saying to Moses, and Moses was saying to the Jews, and tonight, through that experience, God is saying to us, when it comes to applying the blood of Jesus personally and publicly, there's a certain urgency about that. Because we don't know when He might come or when we might die. And so tonight, I'm just asking you, and I know this is the Sunday night crowd, but I'm just preaching what I felt led to preach. If you have never personally applied the blood of Jesus to the door of your heart, would you do that tonight? If you've personally applied it, but you've never publicly confessed it, would you do that tonight? You can begin just by praying this prayer where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus... the basis of anybody's salvation is your blood that's the reason that you forgive sins and god and maybe this is maybe you could even say this to god if it if it applies you might could say god i've been trying i'm kind of like those puritans i've been trying to live right and do right and show you how serious i am but god in that process of that i've not been trusting you i've been trusting me And so tonight, Lord Jesus, as best I know how, and even in my repentance here, and even in my prayer here, I know it won't be all that it should be, but I'm not trusting my prayer, I'm trusting you. I'm asking you now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. I trust your blood and Lord now I I can say tonight what the hymn writer said so long ago my hope for heaven is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness if you just prayed that prayer tonight or if you've prayed it before tonight but you've never let it be known publicly you've never just like they put that blood on the outside of the doorpost and the lintel. You've never let that be known to others. It's been in your heart, but it's not been out in the open. Would you just pray this say, God, tonight, I didn't come planning on making a decision, but God, tonight, give me the courage to come forward publicly while there is still time to confess you publicly before men. It's my prayer in Jesus' name and all the people said, Amen. Well, friend, if you just prayed that prayer, God has heard you and God has answered that prayer, and God has placed the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, over all the sins that you have ever committed. You have been covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, just like those Jewish people back in Bible times in Old Testament times had the blood of Jesus over the door of their house you now have the blood of Jesus over the door of your heart and so you need to understand this when God looks at you He does not see all the things that you've done wrong, all the sins that you've committed. I'm so thankful that when God looks at me, He doesn't see all of my sins and all of my mistakes. He just sees the blood of Jesus. I've been cleansed. That blood has washed my sins away. And now that blood of Jesus, if you prayed that prayer, has washed your sins away too. And so, I want to just say congratulations to you. And I want to encourage you, like I talked about during that sermon keep your faith in Jesus. Don't try to get to focusing on your life or your holiness or your repentance or your, not even your own faith. You don't even want to trust your faith. You trust Jesus. You don't want to trust the prayer that you just prayed. You just trust Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, if you have a little time today, uh, visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And if you'll scroll down, you'll find a tab that says Spiritual Growth. And if you'll click on that tab and then scroll down a little bit, uh, you'll find some booklets that we have written through the years that hopefully will be a blessing to you. You can read those booklets right there on your on your computer or even on your phone. One of the booklets that we have written is called "How to Make Heaven Your Home. And in that booklet I described more fully and even more completely about the salvation process, about what it means to be saved, what it means to repent of our sins, what it means to trust Christ. And so I would encourage you to to read that booklet or read one of the others that might uh, be of interest to you. And then, if you'll go back to the home page of our website, there at peacebybelieving.org, and scroll down to the bottom of the home page, you'll find a tab that says Contact Us. And I would encourage you, if this program has been a blessing to you, To uh, just take a moment of your time I know you're busy And nobody has lots of extra time But if you could just click on that Contact Us page Tell us who you are Tell us where you live Where you're listening from And how Peace by Believing Has been a blessing to you Thanks again for listening Have a fantastic day We'll look forward to being with you next time